Welcome to the Road to Blake Street Banter. We are back for week number seven, pod number 14. Tyler, yeah. 14 weeks, dog. Can you believe that? And we got however many more are left in the minor league season and, and then some. The grind is is fully commenced. Right. It's it's here. It's happening. And uh, we are joined. I don't know how to. I want to say celebrity status. I mean, <laughs> a top 100 podcaster in the sports DNVR. Not Susie Hunter, though. Uh, Patrick Lyons is here. He is returning the favor, uh, coming on our pod. We're going to talk a little minors. Patrick, how you doing? Thanks for accommodating uh, the person whose nickname may now be the other one. <laughs> Susie Hunter and, and her social media presence. I'm just the other one, but I, I'm glad to be anywhere. So thank you uh, for having me on. This, this will be fun. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, last time we talked, you were talking about you being a fan of the minors. It's really what you enjoyed doing where you got the coverage and I'm sure you still enjoy it now, but let's, uh, let's talk minor league baseball with Patrick Lyons. So let's sentence it. It just kind of <laughs> makes my heart a little grow a little bit too big here. Um, we always like to start off with player bios. So we are going to introduce you to Julio Carreras, which we have not done a good job of Keeping up today, he is the number 25 prospect on the MLB.com list, and he has yet to make our newsletter. I don't know how we missed that. I blame Tyler. No, I blame James. <laughs> Let's blame James on everything. I'm afraid he's not here. But Julio Carreras had a breakout last week. Um, I was going to put him on here before I even found out the news that he was player of the week in the Northwest League. Um, but 22-year-old out of Dominican signed the 22 or 2018. Speedy athletic shortstop middle infielder could play a little third base. Um was said he had good plate discipline last few years not so much but has kind of sneaky pop good hit tools oh uh, just somebody running through the system kind of hard be- being sandwiched between Amador and Tovar so you got to feel for the dude a little bit um but the fun fact Julio's April slugging 279 but his May has been the flowers posting a 519 slugging so far in May so Julio Carreras is, hey guys, look at me, I am here. And staying on the theme of Player of the Weeks, I, I feel like we did this last time too. We introduced the guys that won Player of the Week. Uh, but Victor Juarez, right-handed pitcher currently with the Fresno Grizzlies, he just won uh, Player of the Week in the California League after going six shutout, struck out seven. I think he just allowed two base runners. So it was a pretty, you know, perfect outing. Um, signed out of Mexico for 500000 which is pretty significant for an international signing. The cool part is he's currently 18 years old. Like, this is a guy who's, like, the age of a high school graduate, and he's currently in low A. He's doing his thing. 2.8 ERA on the season, 39 Ks, and 35 and a third. Three solid pitches. This is a guy to really watch out for in the, you know, with the depth of the starting pitching. Yeah, it's really cool watching like these young guys because I mean we talked about it a little bit last night with a uh, future friend of the pod, Braden Ward, about how Benny Montgomery has his own learning curve, right? High school back to professional athlete, but then Victor Juarez, same age as Benny, has to go to a whole new country, a whole new world, and kind of figure out as he's going. And the eighteen-year-old is doing it. Eighteen-year-old is doing it. If, if I had if I had a bio to cover, it, it also would have been Victor Juarez. And since I need to 
make it worth your while. I'll tell you that. Did you know he was on Team Mexico in the 2016 Little League World Series? I keep seeing that pop up. It's so <laughs> much fun. A fun fact, right? Especially because it's like six years ago or like, you know, five Little League World Series ago. He's, he's 12 years old. So he's, <laughs> you know, the youngest member of the, the Grizzlies roster. Yeah. He's, he's incredibly exciting. And I like the thing that what the Rockies have been doing in their organization is really challenging guys early. You saw him down in, not literally, but you saw him down in Dominican Summer League last year. And then he did have a, an opportunity to play at the Complex League last year. So they are giving him every opportunity to be successful at the next level, you know, far ahead of what they've really been doing in the past. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the stagnation in the past with guys, you know, being well behind the league average age. And I think that in terms of development, you're going to, you know, become a more, um, I guess, exciting, more talented player if you're really being challenged, you know, uh, ahead of your age. So there's several guys, you know, we got going in the in the system, of course, Ezekiel Tovar still 20 in, in double A. It's just crazy to see those kinds of things happening after, you know, many years of a lot of guys who are 22, 23, 24 and low A that being kind of the norm. So this is it's great to see the youth. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's really apparent. You can go down every level and see these pitchers that have been pushed ahead, right? Joe Rock skipped low A. Uh, Chris McMahon was in low A last year. That's uh, 21-year-old. Uh, Carl Kaufman was pushed after nine innings. So, like, they're really pushing their starting pitching, and Carl Kaufman, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you're the inside baseball, Patrick. Is that something you – kind of hear around around the yard about these prospects being pushed, some maybe some conversations behind the scenes, like, you know, this is kind of the development path that we want to go with, or what inside baseball can you give us with, with that? Well, last week did get an opportunity to catch up with Chris Forbes, uh, you know, lead scouting director of the Colorado Rockies, and, you know, it was mostly giving a lot of the injury updates on, on certain players like Benny Montgomery. Hey, he's going to be back, and now he's – the opposite way of back uh, he's he's he hit the il yet again unfortunately but it 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 does sound like they're very much you know doing that thing of, of challenging their guys and um you know giving them that opportunity to learn something new going back to a guy like ezekiel tovar you know he's still yet to really appear on top 100 lists and that's fine uh, you go back and look at what his stats have been in the last couple years and they don't jump off the page yet he's holding his own and you know, one indicator, one, I wouldn't say statistic, but one list that I really like at the end of every season, Baseball America does their top 10 or their top 20 prospects in each league where they speak with the coaches. And so it might be totally irregardless of the, the statistics that are, you know, out there in the top 100. It's the guys who've impressed the most. So that's almost in and of itself a small prospect ranking that you can get that idea of. And you see Ezekiel Tovar and go, well, the numbers haven't been great, but man, he is so young doing it against guys two, three, four years older than him that that, you know, challenge that the Rockies are, are putting on those young guys is, is really starting to go a long way. And, and, and you're seeing that. And they've done that before in the past. Alan Trejo, you know, skipped low A Asheville. Now, you know, he's not a player with, with, I would say crazy upside, but still that's, that's a player that was believed in. And, and you say, well, you know, if he's going to reach his, his peak potential sticking around in low a Asheville is really not going to benefit him very much. So uh, I like how they've been pushing the buttons, doing some things differently last year. I've mentioned it before with the whole Ryan Feltner business last year, him getting 
you know, called up from double A, which we hadn't seen, I think, since, you know, maybe Chad Bettis in 2014, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Antonio Sensatella skipped triple A, but that was at the end of the double A season going into the start of the 2017 season when he made the opening day roster. So it's been a long time since they've been operating like that in uh, the low or even high, high levels of the minor leagues. And so we're starting to see that shift and it really could start to pay dividends here in the next couple seasons. When we, we were talking about the, the starting pitchers for a bit too. Uh, you know, the Rockies are kind of getting a good amount of depth, not quite in triple A yet, but you know, double A rotation is, is looking good. High, a, low a rotations. Is that something that you've been able to ask about hear about just some of the guys that, you know, maybe are really turning some heads, even though they're not quite 40 man guys yet. Yeah, I don't think those guys are jumping off the page just yet. I, I think maybe it's there. They may project as more of a three, four, five type starter. You know, like I, yeah. I think that that might be the case. And you can't have enough of those guys. I mean, you, you might even say that the even particularly with how Herman Marquez has been pitching this year, you could say, all right, well, maybe they have a stable of number three guys. That's still pretty good. That that's still the best, you know, starting rotation in franchise history. And I think there'd be a lot of teams that would sign up for something like that. So you can't discount that with the attrition of all these minor leaguers and you know, just the volatility of of stock and and injuries, things of that nature. You just simply never know what's going to happen. So I think it's important that they've got you know this much depth. And and there's still guys all the time that seem to pop up that you know they they draft and you know and. Uh, somewhere in, in, in the lower rounds. And I know for me, I, I kind of look past them and there's a point where you start to take notice and you look and you go, okay, Evan Shaver. All right. I'm, I'm paying attention to you a little bit more here. You're a seventh round pick in, in 2021. You know, all right, Mason green. Oh, hold on. Yeah. All right. Maybe I, I discounted this guy. <laughs> he was a 12th rounder last year as well. And you know, they're, they're doing some big things at their respective levels. And you say, okay, all right, maybe, maybe they've got something. So you can just never have enough of those guys. Yeah, there's a lot of value, I mean, on the trade market with that kind of stuff, but also down the road, again, we're two to three years out of this window, this competition window. And if you have these guys you can rely on, hopefully Noah Davis is added to this list, but you got McMahon, you got Carl, you got Feltner, keep going, and all of them are going to be there ready to go. And we all know the Rocky starting depth is terrible right now. Like we have five, one goes down, we're struggling, like Feltner's that next guy, but then beyond that, what are we doing? So hopefully in those few years down the road, we have these guys that are being pushed and being challenged and they live up to it. They can do it. I mean, it's worked for Feltner. I think so far so good in his outings. Um, when are we going to see him? Do you know? Do you have any say? <laughs> oh, is he confirmed for Wednesday yet? No, no confirmation. They no. do keep it close to the vest. Uh, he, he only threw, I think, 39 pitches on Saturday night, only three innings. So that in and of itself kind of lets you know that they were maybe – you know, making sure they weren't putting their foot on the pedal because they would, you know, need him eventually. I don't think you want to go with the long reliever uh, route with uh, Robert Stevenson being put on the COVID IL on Monday. That right. does bring Ashton Godot back, so you could go block and Godot mix and match for Wednesday's day game. But to to the rotational depth issue, you know, Godot was going to go back to AAA to become a starter and, and pitch with Albuquerque and be in that rotation along with Peter Lambert, who's close to returning from, from the IL. He'll, he'll be in that five-man staff, six-man staff, you know, obviously with Monday being the off day. Um, so they, they need that kind of depth. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But I, I feel pretty good about Feltner, but I, I don't know anything uh, that anyone else <laughs> may or may not know. 
<laughs> okay. So you heard it here first Wednesday, Feltner starting. Okay. <laughs> let's let's get back to the minor. Yeah. We do things a little differently. Um awards. We already talked about it. Victor Warriors player of the week in the Cal League, Julio Carreras player of the week in the Northwest League. Just some quick stats. I mean we kind of covered it, but six eight pitch, seven Ks. War has only faced one more than the minimum in his outing, and he did it in less than 80 pitches. I want to say 71 to be exact, uh, which is fantastic over six innings. Very efficient with his stuff. And Julio Carreras had seven hits, five of them the extras, three dingers, um, with two stolen bases on top of it. So just adding to the list of total bags. Uh, just really cool stuff from Julio Carreras and Victor Juarez. So congratulations. I think that's what two maybe two total weeks this year that we have not had an award uh in the minor leagues so cool things are happening cool things are happening all right let's run down the the affiliates real quick uh i was not able to watch any baseball this week and it absolutely sucked i was out camping with middle schoolers and <laughs> to say baseball was needed is an understatement but <laughs> so i'm gonna really rely on you guys get me caught up with all this stuff i can see the stats but what did you see so tyler your hometown, the AABQ. What did we see? You know, not the best series, but I think as is a common theme on this pod, you know, the, the AAA team is is the one affiliate that is still kind of lacking that premier talent. And and it's kind of the nature of AAA teams. It's a lot of, you know, the journeyman guys. Um, and usually they're kind of backpacked by those, those elite prospect talents. Triple uh, A doesn't quite have that. They went one and five on the week, but some good news is, is Ryan Valade, you know, kind of back doing his thing. Uh, he's hitting over 300 this month. You know, he looks like, like the new evolved Ryan Valade. We kind of thought Ryan Valade was going to be a slugger, but I guess he's, you know, a hit over power guy. Uh, and then we saw Feltner go three innings, three dominant innings. He struck out seven in the three. So that bodes well for the potential uh, start on Wednesday. The bullpen guys, we that's what we've been talking about a lot. Not the greatest week for the Albuquerque bullpen, but Chad Smith, you know, knocked down two more saves. He's doing his thing. And, and you know, that's an interesting guy to watch. And Patrick, like, what do you think about Chad Smith? Do you think we might see him, uh, you know, back with the Rockies at some point this year? I, I think the Isotopes <laughs> bullpen is – maybe the most exciting thing about the team. I mean, other than <laughs> Montero, Valade has his moments. You got to obviously keep an eye on him. You know, Lambert did have two innings on, on Sunday, you know, looked okay there as, as he continues to rehab and then transition into the rotation. But there are a lot of interesting relievers. I've been a big fan of, of Reagan Todd thought he had an opportunity to possibly be added to the 40 man roster after how much success he had last year as a left-hander. He just had his, you know, five and two thirds innings, scoreless streak snapped so he's been an exciting guy but but you know chad smith uh technically one of the last pieces or he's he is a part of the troy tulowitzki trade tree because the rockies acquired him for jesus tonoco so he is still a, a branch out on that tree he's a little leaf uh we'll see if he falls to earth and and provides some more fruit for the rockies we'll see but i i think there's a couple of those guys i mean jake bird might even be one that whose name at some point this year gets thrown into the, the conversation. I know he's had some bumpy start, uh, bumpy outings at, from the bullpen. So that's a, certainly a possibility. Uh, I, I don't know, you know exactly what, what will happen. I, I think they're getting to that point with the whole 
Ty Block and Ashton Godot into the starting rotation business. Uh, Robert Stevenson now on the COVID IL. They are really short in that that depth department as far as the relievers go. Justin Lawrence is already up. They lost Ben Bowden just miraculously. I don't know if you talked about that when it went down <laughs> three weeks ago and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he was claimed by the Rays. We never heard uh, really what was uh, going on with that deal uh, where they had their 40 man went to 39. There was there was no corresponding transaction. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird, right? Uh, you got Julian Fernandez down in uh, in AAA. So they are a little bit light. Eventually they are going to you know need to tap into those resources in the Albuquerque bullpen and, and Chad Smith could be one of those guys. Why haven't they done it yet? Like, <laughs> I mean, you're the you're the major league guru, right? You you watch every game, mostly almost every game, right? And the bullpen it makes a streak and implodes. It's very tough to watch sometimes. Um, why? What are we holding on to a few of these players for? Why aren't we blowing it up? Like, why aren't we bringing these guys? Is it really the forty man thing? Just you can take off your your dnvr hat if you want just for a little bit and just give us your fan take on it that'd be cool too but i just keep asking the question like how many times do i have to see like one, two or three of these guys come into the game that's close and we're trying to rely on these guys and we have this talent that we can tap into down below why not give these guys a shot because these guys really haven't done much recently for us or even beyond recently in the long term um it's just very frustrating as a fan you know like we keep tapping this this bullpen arm. Why can't we go get this one from up above or down below? So, as a fan, what do you why do you think that's happening? That that's a hard question to kind of differentiate from from the side. I, I think they I think the Rockies honestly just believe that these are their best options um, yeah. with, with with a forty man you know roster that you've got. It's hard to if you put a guy on the 40 man and then they don't get the job done and and you're kind of worried that maybe they're not like that. That's the that's the hard part to not to realize or, you know, to accept is like, wow, this guy who is not getting it done or is it's frustrating, as you said, is the better of the two options at a certain point. Like, you know what? Give me option. Give me what's behind (laughs) door number two. Yeah, because I know the goat behind door number one you know, still can provide me with a little bit of milk. Uh, there's some meat. Uh, I might be able to, to trade that goat meat for something else. Yeah, but it's still a goat. Maybe behind door number two is that Lamborghini. I, I, we all <laughs> kind of think like that, mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense to a degree. But, you know, I, I think, again, because the 40-man roster there, there's not a lot of flexibility with that. I, I kind of got the, the thinking that when Ben Bowden was – claimed off of waivers waivers by the Rays that they were maybe going to uh, I actually I thought that it was going to be Brian Servin and that didn't happen but that maybe one of the more veteran starting pitchers was going to be called up in, in a similar like Tim Melville type role where okay if, if we need this guy to, to come out and maybe make some starts especially if someone's injured which obviously that's the case with Antonio Sensatella now and it doesn't work out and you you know designate for assignment a Frank Duncan now a, a Riley Smith, a Zach Neal, Dylan Overton, whoever it may be, it's not that big of a deal. But if you really think that Chad Smith has something going on or, or Reagan Todd or Jake Bird, any of those guys, Logan Kozar, Keith Holder, mm-hmm. whoever it may be, and you think that, you know what, he might be a month or two away where we really can use him and he's going to be a big leaguer, but he's not ready right now, 
you put him on the 40 man and it doesn't work out, now you're really caught and now you might just lose that player forever. And so it's it's kind of a, you know, we know that baseball season is a marathon for the players, but it can also be that for the roster itself and uh, and the different transactions that go down because you don't want to lose a guy too soon where you may need him in two more months when they figure it out. It's, that makes sense. I follow that. It's just, there's always more to it. Right. And yeah, it's a delicate dance, right? It, it is a very de- delicate dance and you know, fandom is very reactionary and it's very in that moment. And it just gets so frustrating sometimes. Like, what are we, what are we doing? But we get frustrated right. in the press box too. Don't worry. <laughs> I, get, I mean, we, we, we all remember Brian Shaw and Jake McGee oh, and Wade man. Davis and you go, all right, here we go. This guy's coming in. This will be interesting. <laughs> let's let's buckle in here. Uh, all right, let's head down to Hartford. Um, so good week, five and one on the week. The cool thing, like all these next three Hartford, Spokane, Fresno, all went five and one this week, which is fantastic. It's really cool. Um, I have a few notes. Talia Tolia K update. Last time we talked a few years weeks ago is at a forty percent clip. We were worried about it. It is now at 39. Um, <laughs> so it's getting better. Two weeks ago, it, he only had six strikeouts that week. I think I touched a little bit on it last week. But this past week, he struck out 14 times. Uh, frustrating, but he still had two dingers uh, on the week. Both of them, I think, came in last uh, in last night's game, yesterday's game. Uh, five, R- five RBIs still produced with those hits with just the 125 batting average this past week. Um, I mean, like I said, we talked a little bit about last year. How much stock do you put into that K rate type stuff, that walk rate, K rate, the three true outcomes, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know, you know the conversation. How much are you putting stock into that kind of stuff? It is a little concerning uh, just because the number is so high that it, it, it's, it's worrisome. It definitely is. Now for Tolia, he is a guy who has a, an amazing glove over at first base and Chris Forbes even said last week he kind of put a Wally Joyner type comp on him, which mm-hmm. is not Jim Tomei, right? It's Wally Joyner wasn't as good of a hitter as as, as Jim Tomei, and you know their careers kind of overlapped ever so briefly. But you're you're talking about defensively someone who's really solid, and if you're getting enough production out of you know other spots in the lineup and on the field, then you can kind of deal with those those kind of strikeouts. So. It, it is it is troublesome. It's something that obviously you know plagues Sam Hilliard's career, and and you you see him in the majors, and you say, hey, if he's only given an opportunity, maybe he'll be able to figure it out. And and we're still waiting for that to happen. So, uh, I think Tolia is a little bit further along than than Sam Hilliard. The ceiling's uh you know still a lot higher. You don't have, maybe have to squint quite as much or be as hopeful, but you know that that's something that 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 needs to be worked on. The the biggest jump for any minor leaguer is from high A to double A. That's the, that's where mm-hmm. your metal is really tested and, and pitchers at the command is, is that much better. The breaking balls really are, are moving that much more. And, and the, the comp- level of competition is just, it's, it's a big, big difference. And we're seeing that. I mean, even, you know, we saw Willie McIver, you know, have some struggles and, you know, obviously he's found his home run stroke. Uh, yeah, much better, but that's that's the big jump where that that really tests the player's metal, and so it is a little bit worrisome. But uh, I, I think he's he's going to figure it out sooner than later. He he certainly needs to. We know that. Yeah. Do you the switch hitting thing uh, with the Rockies' history? Are they going to ask him to stop? Do you, or is it too late in the game with that? 
I think eventually gut reaction. I think eventually they will. Uh, and again, I, I don't know the exact breakdown of it because he, he could have some weird reverse splits, you know, when, when, when it comes to that, or uh, he just might not see the ball as well out of a right-hander's, you know, hand when, when he's hitting you know, left-handed or, or something along those lines, or rather uh, when there's a lefty on the mound, if he's batting left-handed. But we saw that with Ezekiel Tovar, you know, Adel mm-hmm. Amador is another one of those switch hitters where we'll kind of wait and see what happens, but that's probably the next thing. That's, Again, that goes back to challenging a player and say, okay, here's what we would like to do. But you know what? We're going to give you a chance to do your thing first, and we're all agreeing that if it doesn't work by this date or what have you, then we're going to go with our game plan. It's like Hunter Green. We see what he's doing for the Cincinnati Reds. Well, they said, look, we'll let you hit. I know you're you're a two-way player. We'll let you play shortstop up in Billings, Montana. And if it works out and you want to continue to go forward, great. But it didn't work for him offensively, and so they just scrapped it, and he stayed as a, as a one-way player, just pitching. And so I think we we could be getting to that date at some point where he sticks to one side and, and gives up the switch hitting opportunity. Yeah, and so looking at at Toglia's future, we we know that the Rockies' corner situation is is you know stacked at the big leagues right now. Um, you know, there's kind of always that that fight for playing time, someone's always relegated to the, to the DH spot. How do you see that playing out in the future with, uh, you know, someone like Elodis Montero and you have Toglia as well. And uh, Ryan Vallade, some of these other guys, how do you, you know, see that playing out so that everyone is, is kind of happy and, and able to develop themselves. Don't forget about our man, Grant Levine either. Put some yeah, respect on that name. <laughs> I think I think there's still plenty of time for that to play out. I mean, Colton Welker, you might even throw his name yeah, kind of out yeah. there potentially, but I, I think there's still plenty of time for you know that that to work out. We'll see what goes on this season. They're they're currently two games under 500, and so you know if if they're somewhat in the mix and GM Bill Schmidt is knocking on the, the door of a certain team and they like one player over another, that could be a deciding factor in kind of that that cluster you know going away you know chad spangberger was one of those guys back in in 2018 at first base for the rockies and toronto said hey we want him to go along with forest wall if you want sung Wan oh and you know they they went and made that deal so you know that very very much could be somewhat of a of a tiebreaker is you know if other teams are evaluating a player that much more then maybe you know you're willing to to do something like that but um you know, again, that remains to be seen. I, I think there's still plenty of time to, to figure that out. Even you, you, you look at Grant Levine. You know, he's 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 been passed over, obviously, by um, Michael Tolia, and you know, Ellie Harris Montero comes from out of the organization, and already he's obviously a much more potent bat, two levels above. But Levine has played a lot better this year. I think, you know, age-wise, you go, yeah, he might be behind the curve, but uh, repetitions-wise, he's kind of right where he should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a, a high schooler taken out of New Hampshire uh, in, in, in the first round, which just doesn't happen. So you don't get as many reps out in, in the Northeast. It's one of the reasons why, you know, Mike Trout fell as far as he did. And Randall Gritchick was selected one pick before him because, you know, that spring there was a lot of rain in South Jersey. So the scouts just didn't get a chance to see him. Uh, it's, it's the same reason why pitchers are, uh, are a lot more successful out in, in Colorado than hitters. I mean, look at, Look at this, these seven players who have, have pitched for the Colorado Rockies who are actually from Colorado. They're all pitchers. It's, it's not a coincidence that the best, you know, 
big league right. players in Colorado are pitchers because of that lack of wear and tear on their arms. Hitters, you're going to find them in, in the Southeast, in Texas, in California, on the West Coast. And so Levine, he's, he's finally getting his reps in, and, and we're seeing what, what's happening with him. And it, it's, it's a lot better than the last couple of years. So I just think there's still a lot of time left um, for the, the situation really to sort itself out. Right. Yeah, makes sense. I don't right? think I don't know if we'll see Montero ever as a first baseman though. That's interesting. Okay, with the universal DH, is that kind of what you're feeling? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because I think with him and Welker, they're they're almost one A and one B. Right. You know, defensively at third base, it's good. I mean, you got Ryan McMahon right now locked up for the next five plus years, so he's not going anywhere and you're not going to move him over to second base because you already have Brendan Rogers there, all those things, uh, obviously in the conversation, but you'd say third base, maybe DH. Okay, great. And then first base if you need to, but you've got two guys occupying those exact same spots. And you know, the Rockies want to keep the DH as a, you know, a nice rotational position. Connor Joe has gotten the bulk of the DH start so far. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the defensive options, have been that much better. Crone is better than Connor Joe at first base. So Joe is kind of forced to be uh, on the bench as the designated hitter when Crone is, is good to go. And, and even Charlie Blackman's been starting a lot more in right. So Joe looked really good defensively on yeah. Sunday made some really strong yeah, plays did. against the Mets. So we'll, we'll see if that changes. So you want to keep that DH spot open, but you know what, if, uh, if, a, guy, if a guy can hit, you're going to find room for him. And Montero could be that guy that helps break that mold. Edgar Martinez of the former National League Colorado Rockies, or of the National League Colorado Rockies. Same initials. Yep, it, it works. That's it plays. True. It plays. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that Aaron Shuck had a breakout week last week. That man has been struggling mightily, but last week kind of broke out of it a little bit. 429 batting average, three doubles, a homer, three RBIs, four runs. And the really cool thing, zero strikeouts. Uh, last two weeks have been good. He's only had four strikeouts in the last two weeks. Add a few numbers to it. His OPS is still over one over the last two weeks, too. And I know we were down on him, or he was down a little bit at the beginning, but these last two weeks have been really good. So keep an eye on Aaron Shunk, Shunky Monkey. And I absolutely love his walk-up song, Brass Monkey, as he always comes up. It's so cool. It fits. It, it works. And then Carl Coffin doing Carl Coffin things, and Nick Bush actually had a really good outing too. So going back to that conversation we were having a little bit earlier, uh, Hartford continues to be a must-watch. They are what currently 24-15 and 15 and arguably the hardest division in all of minor league baseball. So stop sleeping on the goats. Like They, <laughs> they are 1-9. through nine. They can do something. The pitching staff is fantastic. Like it's, it's really cool. Again, I always try to watch a goats game when I can. Um, also fun little fact, they won three of their five games by one run, which was, they can do the, do the close ones, right? And life on the edge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had two of our walk off season, so I mean, they're kind of used to it. They know how to play with the pressure on. So that's cool. High A Spokane. They finally got a normal week of play. <laughs> like nothing was canceled, nothing was postponed, no double headers, and they just decided to walk it off a few times, huh? What do you got for us, Tyler and Spokane? Well, you know, you mentioned the two walk-offs, which were exciting. They went five and one on the the week, brought them up to twenty-one and sixteen on the year. So that's you know potentially one of those season-altering, season kind of determining series. Uh, sets you up to, you know, make a nice little summer run. 
the highlights, Grant Levine, who we were just talking about, uh, he had five extra base hits, two triples, which is kind of crazy for him. He's a large man, um, but he had two triples, three doubles. Great week for him. Uh, I think the name everyone wants to hear is Zach Veen, and he hit two home runs. He's had a pretty sluggish start to the year, kind of like last year. We saw this last year, so it's one of those things you you definitely practice some patience. But two home runs, seeing him do that is is really exciting. And then we spent Julio Carreras at the beginning of this this episode. He's you know kind of shedding off that slump. Like last year, he was kind of in a slump started the season in a slump. Uh, so it's great to see him, you know, three homers in a week. That is, that's awesome. And then Luke Taggart, who's been one of our favorite guys to talk about this season. Um, you know, he's been doing his thing, three appearances. He struck out six. He did give up a run. I think that was his first I know. professional Maybe so sad when I saw that box line. And, and that's crazy. Undrafted free agent. And it took him like 30 innings or something, close to 30 innings yeah. to give up his first professional run. RIP the scoreless streak, uh, but still great week for Spokane. I mean, if it's dry enough, they're going to put on the performance. They <laughs> <laughs> won't be able to do anything else. Uh, Fresno, hot Fresno. Uh, they had another week. Zach Kakaska, friend of the pod, had another walk-off. Doing the heroics, had another pinch hit rock walk-off, just repeating an opening night down there. Um Patrick Lyons' new favorite pitcher, Mason Green, maybe? Um, had a, had a stud stud performance last night going seven innings a few nights ago. I don't know if it was last night. Um, but there's a lot to be excited about down in Fresno. Patrick, who has your eye? Who are you kind of watching from above over there? Yeah, Mason Green's 2.78 ERA has been really solid. As you said, the seven shutout innings, a career high for him. That's that's obviously been positive. Hunter Goodman, I know I'm sure you guys have been talking about him a whole bunch uh, after his, you know, amazing play. Another guy who you go is what's his position going to be? You'll figure that out eventually. Right. If you just just do it with the bat, which, you know, he's pretty much done his whole life. A lot of power coming out of the University of Memphis. Uh, just a lot of guys hitting and, and, and doing well and getting you excited and kind of the, the hype train is starting to build up because this is their first full season for. So many of these guys, I mean, Juan Brito has been one of those players that jump out and you go, okay, got kind of have my eye on you. Braden Ward, I think kind of falls, you know, in that camp and even players who, you know, have had moments, but haven't been, you know, as good as you would maybe have liked, like a Yankee Fernandez, who's still incredibly young. You go, well, that's okay. Hey, you know, he can, he can hit that patch. Like, you know, Tyler was saying about Zach Veen and you go, all right, well, he started off slow last year as well. Okay. That's fine. So you don't have those worries if they you know have somewhat of a dry patch but um there's there's just still plenty to be excited about up and down the roster i mean i feel like they've got i feel like they have a six-man rotation where all six guys are intriguing enough and you know someone like uh you know case williams maybe he's he's disappointing statistically but you still have a lot of hope and there's still upside there so fresno again back-to-back years this is definitely becoming a trend is is one of the more exciting affiliates right now. And speaking a little more on Case Williams, because we've been trying to give him a little love these past couple weeks. He's finally, I think, found his footing in pro ball. And it makes it this week, he you know had a six-inning start where he struck out nine. Uh, you know, six base runners allowed. I think it was four hits, two walks, uh, two runs allowed. 
but still that's that's a great start and it makes you look back on last summer's Michael Givens trade and say hey we traded half a season for a reliever for two pretty promising starting pitching prospects and at the worst two guys with really good stuff who could you know potentially play at the big leagues in in some capacity looking back on that trade it's it's looking kind of good with Case Williams doing what he was sort of hyped up to do as a you know, potentially a premature prospect coming out of high school. Uh, so love to see that going on. Yeah. And, and that is probably not that Bill Schmidt needs this reminder, but it's encouraging to say, Hey, you know what, if we've got pieces that we can't necessarily utilize and, and we are indeed out of it, Hey, let's go ahead and, and bolster the farm system and, and do some things. I mean, I was really impressed with what Noah Davis was able to do at, at spring training. You know, obviously he had good numbers. I, I, I he, he was the uh, Chris Crush Davis of the minor leagues last year where he had a, an identical 3.36. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Six, three, it was pretty ERA crazy. And two, in two different, you know, leagues uh, and uh, high there. So, I mean, that was pretty impressive. So he, he looked really good down in spring training, and you know, and again, he's going to be one of those pieces. I feel like he's really similar to Ryan Feltner in that way. So maybe we see him at the end of this year. If not, you know, he'll obviously be, you know, much more important for next year because you just can't have enough depth. Not to sound like a broken record, but we've seen it with Rawlson banged up and Peter Lambert now finally on uh, on, on the return train, and it's just you know, there's there's you need ten guys that you can consistently count on, and I think as each year progresses, they are getting closer and closer to having that kind of depth. So uh, that's, that's been exciting to see. 2024 or 2025 is going to be fun in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going down there. Yeah. Noah Davis has struggled a little bit this year. The long ball is just kicking his butt right now in Hartford. It just, it always pains me to look at the line like everything's good, but he gives up like five runs on three homers or four runs on two homers. So the long ball, he's, they are making him pay when he misses. So again, he, his stuff, it's electric. It's nasty. Yeah. Uh, Connor Joe even said that in, to us once. So that was pretty cool. Um, all right. So yeah, that was your trip around the farm. Saw it all. Just another good week out there. Uh, so much fun. So much fun to do. How much do you follow the draft preview stuff, Patrick? Are you in the scuttlebutt or are you kind of on the outside? A little bit. Yeah, it's such a go. We did a, it was fun during the pandemic doing a a two day draft show. So, I mean, you want to know something about the 2020 draft class? I might, I might know a sentence or two, but (laughs) yeah, not not that sound like I know everything, but like that was really fun to like dive into all of that, that, that went down. But, you know, I know that. Uh, and, and it's hard to remember this. Sometimes the sources, you're just reading things left and right from <laughs> baseball America and MLB pipeline. And you see, okay, Jackson holiday is shooting up the rankings mm-hmm. holiday's son, uh, which, which is really interesting. And we know Andrew Jones's son drew, uh, aptly named is, is, has always been there, but Jackson's now starting to shoot up a little bit. Uh, I know, uh, Jace young, I believe, uh, Josh Young's, uh, younger brother uh, was recently kind of slotted in at at the Rockies pick there early in the first round. So, you know, I think the Rockies are going to continue to just pick the best guy that's on the board. You know, we did see that in 2020 with, with Zach Veen, even though it seemed like Reed Detmers was maybe going to be that guy for them, but Padres kind of threw a wrench in the works in a good way by taking Robert Hassel, the third. So that, uh, you know, allowed them to have 
Zach Veen, even though you say, well, if, if the window is still going on, Reed Detmers is a lot closer to contributing in the majors than a Zach Veen, even though Zach Veen has a ceiling that's a lot higher. Like, those are the things you got to balance. Right. We saw it last year in the second round. You go, okay, a guy that was talked about maybe in the first half of the first round out of LSU, Jaden Hill, he's available because he had Tommy John. Okay, we will take that guy and just kind of sit on him and let him do his rehabilitation in hopes that maybe by the end of 2022 he'll be he'll be back in action. So I think that's really the best game plan is you know work those scouts and so that you can find some gems you know later on you know third round and in and, and after because even still in the third round you can get some some serious steals. We know the the Dodgers have have been prone to do that um, and, and the Rockies have you know have had their fair share. Garrett Hampson was a was a third round pick in 2016. Um, not a huge upside, you know. We're not talking about an all star, but still, you're you got to be able to try to find value somewhere along the way, even if it's, you know, from I don't know what was it, the 2014 draft, like a 35th round pick, and a guy like Rico Garcia, who made one start and a couple outings in 2019. Like you just don't know where you're going to find those guys, and so you just, you know, you got to be working your scouts. You, you got to be going out there and, um, you know, putting boots to the ground and and really just taking the best player and, and the guys that you like that have the best upside overall. Benny Montgomery, I think, still has a lot of upside, and it may be a while until we see it because from what I'm hearing, he won't stop growing. That's, <laughs> that's been a legit issue is that he, you know, he ended up, you know, I think growing another inch in the last year. And so, you know, that can that can affect your mechanics and your coordination. And so I think that's been, you know, somewhat of a, of a challenge. Chris Forbes called him a, a baby giraffe, which, you know, is, is, is a common you know, comparison for a lot of players in baseball that are that are like that and that fit that description. So he's he's six six now. He may even be oh six seven. I'm, I'm not sure. And so uh, that would actually tie him for the tallest player in Rockies history if he were to, you know, actually be six seven. So just taking the best player is, is always going to be what happens. And and just trying to listen in to see what other teams are going to do. But it can all it can all change. Going back to that 2020 right. draft, man, we were. You know, a month out, okay, here's what we think it's going to look like. Okay, cool. I'm excited for this guy. Maybe Max Meyer is going to fall to the Rockies pick at ninth overall, and then he ends up going, I think, third to third. the Marlins. And so it can all change. It really is like the week of where the buzz is where you have to start, you know, listening and keep your eye on it. But when we get it to be a week out and a few days out, that's really when everything you hear matters most. Right. Well, so kind of on that note, this this is probably a long shot, but have you heard a single name connected to the Rockies outside of, you know, looking at MLB pipeline, um, you know, Baseball America, like anything that you've heard from from anyone that, you know, connects them to a Jace Young? No, and unfortunately not. Oh, I was going to preface it. Yeah. Nobody listens to us, to us anyway, so you can <laughs> say it if you want. Oh, in that case, uh, <laughs> no answer. No, no, you know, they're not going to tip their hand, obviously, about anything like that. Um, also, too, because, you know, even if they like a guy that could be, I mean, going back to that 2020 draft, Nick York was, was taken, I think, 18th overall by the Red Sox, and I don't think he was even in Baseball America's top 500. Well, you know, he's actually played really well for, for Boston yeah. uh, up to this point. And so if Nick York and his agent uh, here, you know, catches wind of this, then that's, that, that's going to uh, hurt Boston in, in the negotiation. So they might like a guy and, and say, hey, we like you at this price. Well, we might also like you at a higher price and pay you because we just really like you. 
Mm. You know, if, if, if the player and the agent find out about that, then they, they can play a little bit more hardball. So you want to almost come in a, a little ignorant and be like, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, you're really like a 25, 25th best player, but we're going to take you early because, you know, we want to save some money and use it in our, you know, our next pick or our co- competitive balance round a pick. So when really they're like, no, this is the, this is the fifth best player that we think on our draft board and we would pay him slot. We might even pay him above slot. So you, you, you don't want to tip your hand in that way in any capacity. So unfortunately no scoops on that one guys. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be asking frequently, <laughs> but yeah, it, like you said that, that week coming in early July is going to be a really fun time. So looking forward to seeing, you know, your guys coverage of, of everything going on there and just following along. Yeah. We'll have our let's a little preview for next week's pod. We're gonna have a little draft preview next week with Nick, our what our resident draft expert. He's our out doing rounds today. He's in Pennsylvania doing something, just just <laughs> yeah. having fun. I, having I fun. didn't expect him to be yeah out there seeing <laughs> one of the top high school prospects and Cole Young. So and who does Nick he is live doing with things. exactly? If he's since he's the resident expert is he's with you tyler or aaron is he out, out there he's kind of rogue he's just in and out <laughs> wherever he can find we never know where nick is or what he's doing <laughs> he does stuff he I does stuff that. he's out there somewhere <laughs> he's just out and about um so quick updates weatherly same weatherly is up going to be pitching off a mound soon if not already i can't remember the timeline but i know it was like a week or two a week or two ago um mcmahon and olivares should be pitching not pitching anytime soon they're probably about a month or two away i keep hearing updates on that um any updates on that on your end did i miss maybe miss something on those three big pitching names no i I think you got the updates with that chris mcmahon uh i think he's still in the you know he's still building up so they've got hopes for him colton welker with his shoulder shoulder issue uh not gonna be any surgery for him and I want to say there may have been been somebody else, but yeah, they, yeah. they've been banged up a little bit more than normal. It, it seems like, but it is, it is promising to know that a lot of those guys, uh, doesn't seem like they're going to need any surgery. Cause that's, that's, that's really what, what screws some things up and, and can, you know, hurt players from, from getting that development time that they need. You saw it with Mitchell Kilkenny, who's, who's just now finally doing his thing. Carl Kaufman didn't have the surgery, but threw so many pitches in 2019 with Michigan going yeah. to College World Series that he finally didn't get going until last year. So um, it, it's good, good no surgery discussion just yet. Right. Yeah, that is good stuff. Um, and let's end it with this. Uh, you and I have been pestering each other. B Rod versus B Dash Rod, <laughs> and I, I will give you your opportunity to give your debate of B Dash Rod. Here and now, why he deserves, I don't know, not deserves, because he's too good for hyphens, why you believe <laughs> hyphens should be in the nickname for B-Rod. Objection. The question you stated was he's too good for a hyphen. So already right there, there's bias. Yes, no, this is I- my podcast, not yours. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I, I think the dash just looks a little bit classier. Uh, it, it takes an extra second. It's another character, so it, it, it allows you to kind of flesh it out just a little bit. with Without the, the, the hyphen there, without the little dash, it just looks like broad. And people <laughs> may not pick that up because we know people make spelling mistakes and they got their caps lock on or they're holding down shift. 
whatever it may be. So by having the hyphen, he gives a little bit of breath, and you go, be rod. Because he's the stinger, right? Uh, I like what you did there. A bee's I, rod is its stinger, right? I will, I will give you that last one, but he's always doing so many cool things. You probably want to save that extra millisecond on the dash to make sure you're ready for the next one. Therefore, the hyphen is just kind of in the way. And then my personal feelings come into play. Uh, A-Rod broke my heart. I was a huge A-Rod fan in middle school, 18, 19 year old. And then he did what he did. I still can't, I don't can't like the guy, I don't stand, can't stand the guy right now. And he had the dash and the D-backs do dashes and I don't like the D-backs. So there's a dash. So I, I'm correlating the dash with negative experiences in my life. And, and it's more personal, but give me something new, the B-Rod, something different. Cause he's out here changing the game. His mullet's nice, his beard's nice. So like the little bandana he's wearing. Second base, shortstop, you can do whatever he wants. He's versatile. With a hyphen, you're stuck with that. You can't be versatile with a hyphen. You are in the way with a hyphen. You're a little bit longer with a hyphen. I like that. He's taking back the power of the hyphen from the A-Rod. See, that's what I'm trying to tell you, Aaron. He <laughs> is going to save you. He is going to heal you with the hyphen. Hashtag heal with a hyphen. But that's why I put the hyphen is for A-Rod. You go, A-Rod kind of had the hyphen... So I think that works, but that's it. He's taking back ownership of the hyphen. He will not break your heart the same way. Alexander Emmanuel Rodriguez. <laughs> so you all listening, let us know who won the debate and whoever wins will, we will, do we agree gentlemen's bet to go with whatever <laughs> wins? I think I was going to say a tattoo of the other person's you know, logo, but you know what? <laughs> I think it, it, it might be a little bit more suitable. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You've already kind of converted me. So, uh, but I don't want to give, I, I don't want to give up hope just yet. There might be people <laughs> out there that said, you know what? Aaron's been bullying me, uh, as you have done very, in a very kind way. Kind of good, good bullying. I'm like, ah, I'm kind of starting to drop the, the dash there, but you know what? There might be other people like me that believe in the power of the dash hashtag power of the dash power of the dash what whatever the other hyphen you hashtag you came up back with so we'll put that we'll put that poll, poll out there when we drop this tonight tomorrow uh let us know and you heard it here first when i win patrick lyons cannot use the hyphen and so please please respect the respect the poll respect the the ballot box there. So respect the results, whatever happens. <laughs> there we go. And, and if you do have different feelings after the season, we can we can go back to the norm. But I just we, thought it'd I be. Think we, I love that. No, but I think we can all agree. We, we we're not going to put five D's on the end of it. We can we absolutely not. The middle? All right, so we're meeting in the aisle. See, that's it. We might be on different sides of the aisle, but we can also come together and say we we don't need five, six, seven D's. No, it's four letters, hyphen or not. Absolutely. We can definitely do that. Look at that. We came together here. <laughs> Look at us doing cool things and compromising and stuff. In this day and age, no way. <laughs> uh, Patrick, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for doing week number seven, pod number 14 with us. Uh, keep doing cool things at DNVR. Keep having fun. And I'm sure we'll see you again. I'm sure. Um, go Rocks, minor league affiliates. Woo! Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.